I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have an all-business chef boasting billions of views with his record-breaking cooking content. He is a Harvard graduate, entrepreneur, chef, and content creator. It's Nick DiGiovanni. Nick, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you joining us today. Thank you for having me here. I'm super excited. So a Harvard graduate turned viral content creator. I cannot wait to dive into this story. But first things first, what Guinness World Records are are you breaking today? Funnily enough, we are working on one. Really? We're, we've been spending most of the morning on on planning planning one out. Okay. That should should come pretty soon. I believe I I, I believe I still have to keep it under wraps because okay. we haven't signed all the all the paperwork yet. But it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Okay. So be on the lookout for that. How many do you currently hold right now? I believe we are at eight now. Eight. Yeah. I think we're at eight now. We failed one last year. So that's why I have to sometimes (laughs) think in my head for some of the math there. But it's been been quite the journey. What's your favorite one that you've done? We did a very, very fun and also fulfilling one last year that was we donated a lot of turkeys for Thanksgiving. So we were able to get a record out of it while also donating all of that food around Thanksgiving. That was probably my favorite one, perhaps alongside the giant, gigantic sushi roll that we made. <laughs> one of those two. Yeah, both are great and, and also very special for, for different reasons, obviously. Yeah. Um, so you created the first food-related concentration at Harvard called Food and Climate. It incorporated coursework in chemistry, climate science, anthropology, public health, and the business of food. So as someone who didn't love school, why did studying the intersection of all these elements really appeal to you? I was just struggling for a while to figure out what exactly I wanted to study. And Harvard especially was a place that I think was really trying to not necessarily fit you into a box, but just trying mm-hmm. to, you know, they ha- they have such a well-established education system in the school and university that it's sort of hard to propose anything outside of what they already have. And I was trying to do that, of course. So, you know, I just looked at the whole food system in general and tried to find, at the end of the day, I tried to find a really fun, but also academically legitimate way to to study more about everything surrounding food, if that makes any sense. And just these these different terms are what kind of lined up to to fit fit there and make make sense. And it worked out. What did you think of of how the the program kind of developed as as you were there? I thought it was really fun. I mean, I think I was working alongside these different professors who also I think were having a good time with this sort of new thing because you have to imagine they show up to school every year too and have kind of the same thing year over year. And so this was something new that they could be a part of. And so 
I think in general, it was just this big fun team effort to, to figure out how we could keep tying all these things together and convince the college and the school that it was something worthwhile. And funnily enough, a friend sent me an article the other day from Harvard that looks like they're doing a bunch more stuff with this kind of intersection with food and climate now, which is really fun to see for me. So yeah, that's awesome. I mean, what is what is that feeling like to know that you kind of spearheaded and, and sparked that whole thing? Well, in a sense, I would say that I think I, I, I certainly would give credit to the people around me that were the ones that I think I got some of those ideas from. Mm-hmm. For instance, I had, you know, Michael Pollan teaches every year at Harvard and I was getting advice from him on this stuff and people who are already sort of these big groundbreakers in their own in their own ways. And so so in a way, I sort of felt like I wasn't necessarily inventing anything new by pulling all these things together. All the all the sort of research and a lot of the infrastructure was kind of already there. I just had to present a case to the school that I should be able to study this as my as my as my true major during school there. So, of course, it's really fun to see now that there's sort of more coming out about it, but but at the same time a lot of the stuff that I was learning too is, you know, I mean the, the climate science side of everything and the some of the sort of the more, more I guess, depressing and, and sadder things that I learned and read there aren't so fun to see. So mm-hmm. in a way, it's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what did you discover during your undergrad that that still like influences your sustainable approach to food and cooking now? I think in the at the end of the day, it just was the idea that food is so heavily tied to to the environment, to to the climate. And I hadn't really realized that before. I mean, I just liked food. So mm-hmm. I kind of stumbled <laughs> upon this fact, I guess. And so that that is the very simple thing that I took away from all of it. It's just food is so much more involved and tied to all of what's going on with the environment than I or a lot of us ever would think. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you were also interning at a three Michelin star restaurant in San Francisco in San Francisco during this time. How did that education differ from Grandma Giovanni's lessons at home? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you have to imagine a rigorous three Michelin star chef is a lot different than my sweet small grandma at home. <laughs> I think it was just fun for me to see the idea that, you know, both my grandparents and that chef had some similar things that happened in their kitchens, which I thought was surprising in one way, maybe not surprising in the other, but they were both really great at preparation and I think above all, just sort of had this really nice, strong command on their kitchen. Mm. So I remember getting kicked out of the kitchen at my grandma's or getting yelled at once in a while. I, I mean, I truly remember some of the stuff she said <laughs> just this one day, me and all my brothers running around in there. And then she just screamed quiet and we all froze and sort of stepped back and out of the kitchen. It, it gives me similar vibes to if you're behaving yourself in a, in a fancy high end three Michelin star kitchen like that then you're good. But if you step out of line, be careful. Which one is more scary, your your grandmother or, or chef when they're mad? <laughs> I've got to go with the grandma. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hands down every time. You were also forming your senior thesis while preparing to be on MasterChef. You couldn't tell anyone. What was that time like for you? Yeah, that was a very odd time. Just the knowing that I was going to leave campus soon. And even though you say on paper that you're not going to tell anyone. The fact is you have to tell a few people. So my roommates knew, I mean, I can't just leave my roommates and my best friends without telling them. My roommates knew and my 
my parents knew. And of course, you know, the people closest to me. And that was it though. I, I, I wanted to stay strict to the rules there. It was just a weird feeling. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but just walking across campus to different classes in those days leading up to it. And, you know, that flight out to, to LA, it just sort of, I don't, I don't know how to even describe it in a, in a way. What was the reaction from, you know, classmates, professors when they eventually did find out? I think everyone was just excited. I think everyone, everyone there on campus was very supportive, even more so than I thought they might be just of the fact that I was chasing down this dream that I had and that it was starting to work out a little bit more. I think people were super excited. There were all these rumors going around campus that, you know, that I won or or that I whatever. And so that was kind of funny, but I just kind of had to sit back and just keep my mouth sealed. Yeah. Just let it all unfold in real time. Right. What was it like going from, you know, cooking in your dorm to being on this massive stage with lights and cameras? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a big, a big jump, a big transition, probably one of the most dramatic ones I think I've ever had to, to face, but also really fun. It was, it was something that for me, I think helped me a little bit find my calling. And, and I felt so comfortable despite all the chaos and the hustle and bustle of a TV set like that. I liked it. And, Mm -hmm. and I think it was a risk that I took that ended up just being a, being a good risk to take. Yeah. And and despite the the rumors on campus, you did not win, but you did end up finishing third and the youngest person in the history of the show to do so to what do you credit that accomplishment? I I would say first and foremost family the, the those people that very early on supported my love for food and that wasn't just one grandmother that was family on both sides my mom and my dad and also just so many people around me friends growing up who knew I loved food even on the playground as a kid when I would bring these weird snacks to school that I had concocted and I would share them with friends I I remember the ones that would taste like a little piece of my uncooked ramen snack with all the seasoning <laughs> on it. I remember their names, you know? And so, so it's a big long list. What I, I needed to know more about these, like these playground snacks that you were creating yeah. as a kid. What what it's, was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I, of course, I'm sure I had the, some of the conventional lunchbox snacks that everyone else had, but then I would bring weird random things from home you know, I later found out, for instance, crushing up ramen and eating it raw is not so is not looked at as such a weird thing to do in, in other countries. But I didn't know this at the time. And so and in the US, it's certainly not a common thing to mm-hmm. do. And so I would I, I must have eaten some one day at home because we used to eat ramen a lot when we were kids. And I would crush it all up raw and I would put it in a little Ziploc bag, pour the seasoning packet over it. And I remember my favorite flavor was always the creamy chicken flavor. <laughs> and I would pour the seasoning packet, shake it all up in there, and then throw it in my lunchbox. And I would have it for at recess for snack. And and it was amazing. And I would share it with kids. And some were probably, you know, wondered what's wrong with you. But I remember <laughs> the ones that didn't say that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Little did you know, you were just in early training for, for Master Chef. How did your vision and your future change after that experience? I think in one sense, it's hard for me to, hard for me to say, because I've never had a great sense of what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen a week from now, what's going to happen a month, a year from now. 
it's always just been kind of this take each opportunity as it comes and then go from there. And and that's just brought me on all these really weird and crazy paths in life. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just had absolutely no idea what would happen after the show as really, you know, I don't think anybody really would. Mm-hmm. And then, and then as the opportunities came, I took them. And I think the next kind of jumping point after that was kind of moving into the social media space and, and pushing hard there. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, let's go back to 2020. How did you get the idea to, to post your first video and kind of start creating that content? It was actually my, my agent, Mazad, who I'm still working with today. And she, she and I found each other right as I finished MasterChef. And I think we're, we're both, we're both Persian. So I think that's one way that we kind of initially bonded Mm -hmm. and got the conversation going. And then we just got along really well. And she, I remember in COVID probably knew I was sitting at home doing absolutely nothing like everybody else (laughs) at that time. And, and then said, Hey, why don't you just try to post a video on TikTok? And that's actually where it all started. So I have to give her full credit for just telling me to go for it. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's really evolved in such a wild way since then from, you know, a humble how to how to cook a steak video to, as we mentioned, breaking multiple Guinness World Records. You've had guests like Tom Brady, Joe Jonas. How much of your Harvard, you know, business savvy do you apply when determining kind of what direction you're going with your content? Well, I think I think the analytical side of me and some of the people on my team, we definitely lean on it once in a while just to just to try to take calculated risks now because there are lots of different opportunities that are flying around when it comes to making videos or collaborations like you mentioned. And so we try to look at all of those, but also do a little bit of research, do a little bit of thinking on on will this pay off or what you know, is this is this something that that we should dive into? Because a lot of these things are, you know, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of travel or a lot of money for a really, really quick, quick mm-hmm. thing that may or may not pan out if that makes sense. So, you know, before you jump on that flight and take the entire team and get them all planning on this, planning around this one thing and spend the money to go there and stay in the hotels and bring the cameraman and get the editors ready. It's this kind of, should we, should we do this or should we not do this? And then yeah. once we get the green light, that's when we dive in. But I think that's really the biggest area that that kind of thing comes into play. It's a lot of, just like a, just like running a professional kitchen, there's just a lot of preparation that goes into everything. How, how big is your team these days? And how has that, I guess, changed and evolved from when you first started posting videos? Yeah. I mean, it's grown quite a lot, which mm-hmm. is, which is crazy to say. And there's just sort of these different areas of, of all sorts of things that we're working on now. So we have a team around the salt company, Osmo, the, the seasoning company. And, and you know, that kind of stands on its own two feet. There's a warehouse in LA and, and there's a team around it and that, you know, that's its own sort of thing. And then, and then we've got the, the cookbook and there's a huge, huge team around the cookbook because we had the photographers and, and we had, you know, people helping me to read over the, the recipes and the proofreading kind of things. And of course the, the editor and I mean, just, quite a, quite, quite a few people for that more than I, more than I realized when I went into the behind the scenes for, for a book like that. And then, and then the everyday team that's sort of helping to, to, to ideate and, and create videos and film and edit. 
I mean, there, there are so many different sort of pieces of the puzzle now that fit together. And so, so I look at it as one kind of giant team, Mm -hmm. but the reality is a lot of them don't know each other um, (laughs) because you have these people over here working on one thing and then these people over in another place working on something else. And so it's kind of funny in that way, but, but it's been crazy to see it all evolve. Coming up next, Nick discusses breaking multiple Guinness World Records and later talks his new cookbook, Knife Drop, Creative Recipes Anyone Can Cook. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What is your favorite type of content or video to produce? I would have to say, you know, I I, I certainly always love a fun challenge and, and that can really be anything. I mean, one of my favorite videos lately was we went to, we went to this restaurant in New York with a sh- chef who has two Michelin stars at one restaurant and then one at his other. And I did some fun 7-Eleven cook-off challenge against him mm. in his kitchen and that was really fun. I mean, we just, we walked to, to 7-Eleven together and you have this, you know, top-notch chef who's kind of, who's kind of humbling himself to walk over to 7-Eleven and get these kind of cheap random ingredients with only $20 is what we each had. And then going back to this really fancy kitchen and, and cooking this very sort of basic dish against me. So that kind of unexpected, fun, unique kind of challenge, those are always really fun to me because mm-hmm. there's, there's. The other nice thing is there's not too much planning that has to go into something (laughs) like that, (laughs) but it's also such a fun thing and you never know where it's going to lead. So, you know, I, I like those, I like the Guinness world records because those are always a challenge. I mean, something is always going to go wrong with every single one of those, no matter how much you prep, but then it's all about scrambling to try to fix it or make it work. Hence why we failed one of them. You just can't (laughs) make it work sometimes, but you know, I, we do a lot of different types of stuff now. And so I like all of them, but I think it's about finding a balance and kind of shifting through the different types of content to just keep things fun and fresh and interesting for everyone. Who are some of your favorite creators to collaborate with? I, the funny thing is I've never, I, I will tru- truthfully, I've never had a bad experience, which is great. And I'm almost surprised to say it in a way, just because we've done so many different things with so many different people, but mm-hmm. everyone's been fun and, and easy to work with. I I collaborate often with with Linja, who's sort of this older, sweet, she's got kind of this, she goes for this sort of grandma personality on on online mm-hmm. and she's just so much fun. And then I'm, I've, I've become very close friends with a lot of different people. I, like the Golden Balance, I work with a lot. QCP. I mean, there's, there's a really long list of all these different 
creators I've met over time. I, I mean, I really, I truly, I really like everyone. So I'd probably list, probably list 10 to 15 names of people that I, <laughs> that I love working with. Are you surprised to find the community so, you know, welcoming and supportive of, of each other? Yes and no. I mean, one of the things I think I picked up on early on was that it's really hard to to get far, especially in a space like this where you really can't hide anything from anyone. It's really hard to get far if you're not just nice to people and mm-hmm. and you play nice with others and and are a team player, right? And so that was one of the things that I think I learned at the very beginning. And so that's what makes me a little bit less surprised. Mm-hmm. But but of course, you know, in everyday life, you're always going to meet people that you like and then meet some people here and there that you don't get along so well with. So you'd think that there would be a mix, but I've had only good experiences. That's so awesome to hear. And yeah. and I also love that you you are using your platform for good causes. You know, we talked about the turkey donation a little bit ago. What what other philanthropic challenges have you done that you're really proud of? Yeah. So we've worked a lot with this company called FarmLink, which it was an easy sort of initial partnership for me because I have three younger brothers and they were all working with this company when they were in college. And it's a company made up of a bunch of sort of younger kids who are either in college or recent college grads who started this whole initiative during COVID of basically saving food that was going to be wasted by farms because no one was buying it because we had the restaurant shut down and we had all mm-hmm. this the chaos happening in the in the entire world, but especially in the food in the food side of everything. And so they were basically they were basically getting money to pay the farmers a fair price for that food and then bringing the food straight to food banks, which is a really cool idea. That's awesome. Yeah. And surprising that no one had really done anything like it before. But it was just a perfect matchup. So we have been working ever since my brothers and I had the conversation that it would be fun to work together which has now been, I don't know, a year and a half maybe. And they've been involved in a bunch of projects that we've done. So I I have dedicated most of my focus in sort of the philanthropic space to FarmLink and just figuring out every way that I can to, to work together with them. When I did the Selena and Chef episode on HBO, we donated money to FarmLink I believe it was ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which for them that can donate a lot of meals. And then with the cookbook, we're donating ten meals per pre-order copy that's sold. So it's just sort of all these different areas that we can find to loop them in on things. Mm-hmm. We've done it. That's incredible. And speaking of your cookbook, it is coming out soon. It's called Knife Drop: Creative Recipes Anyone Can Cook. Tell us a little bit about the book and what the process was, you know, in developing these recipes. Yeah. So it was. I will I I it was harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that first. I I am super happy with how it turned out. I just in a funny way, you know, I had all these recipes that I've saved up my entire life. You know, I I've always cooked, I've always written down notes. So, at first I sort of said to myself, "Oh, no problem. I'll just toss these together. I'll clean them up and then test them a bunch and make sure they all look good and 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 slap it together into a nice book. And that was not how it played out. But I spent about a year on the book and and I just I I just did a huge deep dive into everything I know about food, everything I've ever learned about food. 
I tried to pull inspiration from all the different backgrounds of my family because, you know, we have Persian, Indian from the UK. So English, like, I mean, just German, Italian, this, this huge wide array, wide range of people from everywhere that have at some point taught me something or, or let me taste this new ingredient that I'd never been introduced to before. So I pulled all that together and, and I tried to put it into this book that can be really a guide for someone getting into cooking or, or a nice reference for someone that's already been cooking for a long time. What, what was the most challenging part of that process? Just putting the the book together. I, 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 part of me wants to just say the, the unexpected side of, of how much work and how challenging it is to really put something together like this, because Mm -hmm. I just, if I'm going to take on a project like that, I, I'm not going to be happy until I feel it's perfect. And so that ended up just meaning tens, hundreds, maybe hours more than I thought I was going to really spend on it and how I, and, and, and that I sort of allocated to spend on the, on the book. But it had a really great team around it. I found the best photographer I could find, the the editors and everyone at Penguin Random House. They were all amazing to work with. So that side was just that side was almost easy. It was just sort of <laughs> I was hit with this realization that it was not gonna be as straightforward as I thought. If someone could only try one recipe from the book, what should it be? That's a great question. <laughs> so I'll just tell you the first thing that jumped to mind. Okay. Is this recipe from my grandmother, my dad's mom. And it's a, it's, I didn't, I didn't plagiarize. I, I, I changed the recipe. A little bit. <laughs> Did um, you give her credit? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I, it's, it's this, it's called scalloped scallops and, okay. and which is super creative. And so everyone has probably tasted scalloped potatoes, mm-hmm. but she did this really nice dish where she cut these scallops into these nice little rings. And it's very simple. It's, it's very humble. It's, you've got Ritz crackers some breadcrumbs, a little butter, a little cream, some chives and and some lemon and lemon zest and it's it's this very very simple beautiful dish that i just i love it and and i want i had to share it well we're looking forward to to, to seeing that in the book with the photos as you mentioned speaking of you know the knife drop it is sort of your signature i'm curious just how how that started and and you know how it's continued and kind of taken on its own personality a little bit. <laughs> yeah, not that I recommend doing it in your kitchen. Yeah, home, right. <laughs> but it was just this fun thing that I, I thought, you know, it's 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 good to catch someone's attention for a video, of course. But aside from that, it's just I had fun doing it. I actually missed one earlier today, so it's never fun for me to for me to miss, you know, miss sticking it right into the board. <laughs> and and it's definitely humbling for me because I've gotten a little bit too confident in doing it. So it's good to good to step back once in a while. But I think, you know, I just looked at it as this really fun, unique little signature move that I, that I could do that it just sort of happened in Mm -hmm. a way. And and it's continued and people love you for it. So what do you, what do you hope's next for you? You know, I'm, I'm definitely very heavily focused on the cookbook. You know, I think that's the, that's sort of the next phase of things. It's just, it's just getting that out there to, to the people that, that want to use it and and want to want to bring it to their kitchen at home. And so that's my big sort of project for the next month and a half is just really focusing on on getting, you know, getting people as excited as I am about it. And then I think you know, outside of that, we have quite a few fun things planned for the rest of the year with YouTube and 
we really do spend a crazy, crazy amount of time on those videos. So we're, we're working hard on those, getting ourselves nice and set up and planned ahead for that. And, and then that third kind of part of everything is just that, that surprise factor where I just have absolutely no idea, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> I love it. No idea what's coming next, but I'm sure it can only be big things. It's been so fun, you know, hearing your story and getting to know you a little bit. We're going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you that we ask everybody. Okay. All right. Rapid fire questions. One step towards a more sustainable kitchen. I, I, I'm I, So it's I have okay. an answer. I had an answer right away. I'm trying to think of how the, the simplest way to say it. Learn how to learn how to keep your veggies and especially your greens, such as mint, basil, chives, et cetera, nice and fresh and continuing to grow in your fridge. And, and is there one way for, for all of those or it's, it's different for all of them, right? I did make a little sort of guide and handbook and even a little QR code video for, for in, in, in the book. Oh, cool. Um, however, it's generally the same. It's just I was shocked when I learned that you could take green onions and stick them in a glass and then they just sh- shoot up and keep growing. So yep. you never really have to buy them again. Yeah, that was definitely my go-to during COVID. I need to get back to it because, you know, yeah, I had like little mason jars sitting around with just little onion sprouts. It was the best. So much fun. (laughs) Best memory from Harvard? Getting the special concentration, the special major that I created Mm -hmm. approved. Yeah, no, I'm sure that was very fulfilling for sure. Yeah. Um, Kitchen tool you cannot live without. I love a good microplane. I love (laughs) zest. Yeah. I love right. lemon zest. I love lime zest, orange zest. I think for too long, I threw away the peels. And, you know, I just used the juice in there and, and I wish I learned that earlier. Something you would like to get better at? The, the, funnily enough, the first thing that jumped to mind was cooking. because, And it just goes to show you that you can always learn quite a lot more. Mm-hmm. Best and worst part of being a content creator? Man. <laughs> the best part for sure is for me is is having so much food around you mm-hmm. uh, all the time. I, I think, I think the, 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 the harder part is just, you know, there's a lot of stress that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And finally elite pancake flavor. <sighs> this is what I used to make as a kid. Chocolate chips with orange zest. Oh, love that. I love the chocolate and orange combo. I know a lot of people, don't, but I think it's just amazing. I do too. I, I love it. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm on board with that one for sure. So our final question is what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So this is definitely not rapid fire. So we want you to kind of take us through the progression of the day, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. If you're a dessert person, there's no rules. You can travel, time travel. Anyone can prepare these meals. You can prepare them, whatever you want. It's your day. Amazing. Breakfast. I would have a beautiful breakfast sandwich. And I just mean very simple, nothing fancy, just, you know, a nice English muffin that's toasted with some butter. And then I would throw some, just a nice classic fried egg, but not too runny because I don't like when it's too much of a mess. Okay. A good piece of cheddar cheese, maybe some sharp cheddar. And maybe a, maybe a, a nice, fresh, juicy tomato with some salt and pepper on it. I think that would be... That'd be a great start. Okay. And then, you know, you could pair pair a mango smoothie. I wouldn't be upset about that either. <laughs> okay. For lunch, I would go with a nice rice bowl, sort of a Japanese rice bowl with uni sea urchin on one side, 
on the top there. And then maybe some, some tuna or maybe some salmon. I would go with some salmon on there and uh, maybe some salmon eggs as well with a little bit of soy sauce, just super simple. Maybe some green onions on top and a yuzu soda to go with it. Okay. That's my go-to soda. They're these delicious Japanese yuzu sodas. Mm. And for dinner, dinner's a tricky one. What is my go-to dinner? Got to think about this. <laughs> hmm. For dinner, I would have to go with a nice, hearty lasagna. Okay. Just a really good lasagna. I would have the type of lasagna where you have ragu and bechamel. So mm. that kind of, you pick both. You don't have to pick one or the other. And for the meat in there, I'd probably get a little mix of some lamb, some beef, mm. you know, a little mix in there. Just a really, really good lasagna is hard to beat, I think, at the end of a long day. For sure. And I haven't had any water yet today in this <laughs> thing, so I'll have some water. And, Stay hydrated. <laughs> and then for dessert, you know, I'm not a big dessert person, but if I had to pick a dessert, it'd probably be a chocolate lava cake and and maybe just a few jelly beans because I just love jelly beans. <laughs> well, that sounds like a fantastic day and very fitting based on, you know, our conversation. So... Thank you so much for taking the time and best of luck with the cookbook and all of your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Be on the lookout for Nick's cookbook releasing June 13th and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.